You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from Pastor Rhonda. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. Well, I was in the dentist's office yesterday, and it was just time for my checkup, you know. I'm sure y'all go regularly. And so uh, as she was about to examine my teeth and all, you know, it's not the highlight of my life, as I'm sure it's not any of you. But she said to me, uh, so I was a little nervous, I guess is my point. Uh, and uh, she said, are you having any, any trouble? She said, is anything troubling you? That's what she said. She said, is anything troubling you? And I said, well... I think we as a nation have collectively lost our mind. <laughs> and I said, that's troubling me a little bit, but dental-wise, I'm fine. <laughs> you know, and then we just laughed and kind of broke the, you know, the ooh of it all. But I really should stop confessing that too. But you know what? You can't really be paying attention and not be concerned about what's going on in our nation right now. There's a whole lot of stuff going on. Uh, and so, you know, the, over the last several years, when I'm praying for our nation, and, and I do pray regularly for our nation, and I hope you do as well, um, I pray out the last half of the Pledge of Allegiance by unction and inspiration of God. Now, y'all remember the Pledge of Allegiance, right? As adults, we don't say it all that often, but I said it regularly, you know, in school and, and here and there. Uh, and the Pledge of Allegiance goes this way. Did they get it up? Where's my flag? There you go. All right, are you ready? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. It's the last portion of that that I've been praying out. We are one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Listen to me tonight. That's our destiny. That is the reason that this nation exists. It's the reason why we are even a nation. I don't know how many of you have ever heard of the Mayflower Compact. It was written by uh, the, co the colonists who came over on the Mayflower, and it reads in part like this. We whose names are underwritten, having undertaken for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith, a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern part of Virginia. We do by these presents solemnly and mutually in the presence of God and one another covenant. What's pastor been talking to us about? Covenant. What? They stood before God and made a covenant with God and with each other on the Mayflower coming over to colonize the United States, what became the United States of America. Uh, it goes on to say, uh, we covenant and combine ourselves together into a civil body politic for our better ordering and preservation and furtherance of the ends aforesaid. It, 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 we're, we're gathering together and we're in agreement that we're going to fulfill the ends we said before, which is to establish a colony that brings glory to God and, and, and establishes the furtherance of, of Christianity. Christianity. They made a covenant together. 
In the Declaration of Independence, the early fathers of our nation said this, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. We could stop there and say amen and amen. And that they are endowed by their creator. All men are created equal. They believed in creationism. They are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This Declaration of Independence says we are basing our, our system of government on the truths we've learned from God. That all men are created equal and are endowed by their creator with certain rights such as life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These are the core values upon which our nation was founded. This nation was formed for the glory of the Almighty God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as a direct offshoot of that, God himself proclaimed liberty for all, and therefore we abide by his desire that all men should be free and have certain rights that cannot be taken from them. How many of you know that is not in a lot of nations in this world? Why is it that everyone wants to come here? Because of freedom and because we have those inalienable rights and because our system of government says every life is important, not just the emperor's life, not just the, uh, the, the um, despot's life, but everybody's life has value and everybody matters and God meant us to be free. Those are the founding principles upon which this nation was formed. A few years before my mother died, I was asking her, and not because I thought she was necessarily dying soon, but as you get to a certain age, you know, I was asking her, is there anything you'd like to see or do? Or, you know, I was teasing her, you know, you want to jump out of an airplane or you know, with a parachute, of course, you know, you want to skydive or, you know, what, what is it? Is there anything that you'd like to do? And, and uh, she said, well, I always wanted to go see the Statue of Liberty in person. And so my sister, my older sister, um, she organized a trip, and, and, our, and me and Mark and Destiny went with my mom, and we met my sister up there in New York, and we were able to take her out to see the Statue of Liberty in Ellis Island. And, and as we were on the boat, uh, you know, my heart was so moved when I saw that statue. And I realized that some of my very own ancestors came to this nation through Ellis Island, sailing right by that statue uh, into this nation of freedom. And I realized that not everybody's ancestors came through New York Harbor, but some of them did, and some of mine did. And, and the words inscribed on the base of that statue from uh, a lady named Emma Lazarus says this, Give me your tired your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. 
why is the door golden? Because behind it, there is freedom. Inside of it, there's opportunity. Are you with me? So they considered it a golden door. But even more important than that, there is, it is a golden door because he is here. He is here. There's an even greater freedom that's found at the feet of another even greater symbol of freedom, the cross of Jesus Christ. Now listen, in theory, in the United States, with varying degrees right now of truth, we all have freedom here. We're free to say. We're free to, to, to kneel. You know, people, they, they, they act out and they're, they're not killed for doing it. That's not true in a lot of nations. It's the very freedoms that we have that, that allow dissent to go on, and it is not so in a lot of places. Uh, you know, Pastor Rhonda, where are you going tonight? Well, hang on. I'm fixing to tell you. <laughs> but there's an even greater freedom than all that. How many of you know your body can be free, but you can still be bound? He doesn't just want your body free. He wanted you free in your heart, in your mind, in your emotions. He, this is, this is our symbol of liberty. Now, if you have that picture of both of them, you can throw it in there. I thank God for the Statue of Liberty. I could get emotional just talking about it. That's, it stands for freedom. It stands for the liberty that we have to do and be and, and to be free. But I thank God doubly for the cross on the other side. Because I don't want just a free body. And I don't think that's what God wanted for us. He wanted us to be really free. Free of guilt. Free of shame. Free of regret. Free of tossing and turning at night in distress over the sin we committed and the shame that we brought. There are, from the founding of this nation up to this very day, many, many churches in the United States getting people born again and growing them up in God, thus fulfilling the purpose for which we as a nation were founded, which is what? To give everyone the opportunity to hear. To hear what? To hear John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now listen, whether they choose to believe him or choose not to believe him is up to, him, up to them. They can either receive them or they can reject him. But God gave everyone a free will first. Are you hearing me? The freedoms that we enjoy, God instituted first in the Garden of Eden when he gave them a free will. How many of you know he could have made it a lot easier on himself if he would just would have made us like a robot? 
You know, I love you, God. I love you, God. How many of you know he has saved himself a lot of trouble? But if he would have done that, how many of you know that that wouldn't really count? In other words, if somebody forces you to say something, it doesn't really count. If I took a gun and I put it to your head and I said, tell me that you love me. How many of you know, even if you said it, it wouldn't count? Why? Because I forced you to say it. God didn't want to force us. He wanted beings who would choose to love him of their own free will. So God gave us a free will. God gave us choice. God wanted us free long before the United States of America was ever formed or in existence. Millennia before. But my point is, he can be found here if a heart is hungry for him. If people want him, they can find him here in the United States of America. You know, when I moved here, Hughes Road was called the Miracle Mile because there were so many churches down that mile. How many of you know you can still find one on about every corner? If you're really looking for God here in the United States, you can find him. But you know what? Even beyond that, we didn't just keep him here. Over the entire history of our nation, we have sent missionaries to the world. The latest statistics I have seen still show the U.S. as the greatest missionary sending country in the world. Not only just for what was done in the past, but what we're doing right now. How many of you know there's a wide world who needs what we have? And I'm not talking about our hairstyles. I'm not talking about, you know, the weirdness that we export to the world. You know, when uh, I went overseas, people had such misconceptions about who we are as a people. Why? Because what they were seeing on TV was MTV the soap operas, and porn. So they were shocked that there would even be Christians here or people of care, uh, moral character because that's how they thought we all were. I had a friend who married a lady from Greece, and uh, they came to the United States after they married, and I ran into her um, uh, about a year after they were married, and and I was like, you know, how are you and how are you adjusting? And because I, I met her first in Greece and then they got married and he brought her over. And she's like, you know what? I've been in the United States for a whole year and I've not seen a murder yet. And she was shocked. Why? Because that's what our shows show. I mean, they think it's like the Wild West over here with everybody just killing everybody and, you know, living immoral and, uh, I, I was shocked, and I looked at her, and I said, good grief. You know, I've lived here 30 years, and I've never seen a murder. You know, thank God, and I never will in Jesus' name. But she was so shocked. You know, she came over thinking, uh, you know, people are just going to get massacred in front of me, uh, you know, every day. And, you know, it's what's on TV. 
It's our TV shows. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, but that really is not who we are. I'm glad that that is not all we have exported to the world. But most importantly, we have given them him in the nations of the world. Listen, I've ministered in over maybe 35 nations of the world. I tell you, there's a world that's hungry for Jesus. There's a world that's hungry for to know that somebody sees them, somebody knows them. You know, uh, I, I, one time I went to a village to minister, and all I could do was sing the ladies of that village a song that God knew their name, that he watched them as they toiled, you know, to go haul water from the well, as they worked their crops, as they struggled to feed their babies, God saw them. He knew and he loved them. There is a world that needs what we have. And I thank God for, for, for those even we as a church have been able to send. Some of you don't know, but every flag represents a ministry and even a Bible school in a nation that we support. We have been instrumental in doing things I can't even talk about in public, in closed nations, bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ. But how many of you know the devil's got to be honked off at that? If you were the enemy, what would you do? I'd try to stifle Christianity in the United States. I believe the enemy is trying to bring division and strife and terrorism into our nation to distract us, and to stifle the message of Jesus Christ. That we not only give here, but freely around the world. It's why the enemy is fighting so hard now. Listen, he knows his time is short. He knows his time is short. He wants us to sit down, shut up, and be distracted, or be fearful, or be dismayed. Why? Because when we're like that, we can't minister effectively. Thus, my prayer. Father, I thank you that we are one nation. We are. And Father, I pray against every spirit that would try to bring division in our nation whether it's division based upon racial status, whether it's division based upon uh, uh, political uh, affiliation, whether it's division based upon uh, conservative or liberal or, or young or old or, or whatever it is, I come against that spirit in Jesus' name. And I say what the Pledge of Allegiance says is true. We are one one nation, one nation, one nation, and it shall be no other way in Jesus' name. Amen, but we'll come back to that prayer. Psalms 133, verse 1. 
Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments, as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Where did God command that blessing that Travis was just telling us about? Where? in that place of unity. I want you to notice in this portion of Scripture, he likens unity to that anointing oil that they used in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, to to run down over the priest. It was anointing oil. Unity brings the anointing. And when we're unified, then there the Lord commands a blessing. Why do you think the devil is trying to bring such division? Not only in our nation, but even in our homes. There's power in our unity, and he knows it. We have to protect the unity in our homes, in our cities, in our state, and in our nation. Because unity brings the anointing. Anger and strife and fighting shuts it down. Listen, you may actually have to get off or quit looking at Twitter and Facebook and Snapchat and Instagram. Listen, I've never been on one of them and I have survived. I know you don't think that's possible. But it really is. There may be some people you have to, I think the word is ghost, or not see their stuff. There's ways. If somebody is keeping you in strife, just do that to them, whatever it is you do, where you can't see their stuff anymore. Thank you. Is that the right word? I don't know what. You block them, she said. Uh, You know, you don't have to look at that. You got to protect your mind. You got to protect your heart. I have never seen such rabid, foaming at the mouth hatred over people's hats and over such dumb stuff in my life. Why? Because where there's division, That's my next scripture, actually. James 3.16. For where envy and strife is, there's confusion and every evil work. Is there a lot of strife in our nation right now? There is. Is there a lot of confusion and every evil work going on? There is. I mean, it's almost like the word is true. No, we know it's true. I'm just teasing. We have to resist strife. 
realizing it is the plan of enemy of the enemy against our homes, our city, our state, and our nation. It's hard or even impossible to share the gospel and help other people when we are yielding to anger and strife. How many of you know if you're saying awful, unkind things on the Internet, everybody sees that. And who's going to listen to you then when you try to talk to them about how good God is and how much he loves them? Listen, you can't control what they do, but we can control what we do and what we allow in here and in here and in our minds. You know, sometimes... You know, Pastor Mark, sometimes he likes that stuff. He'll flip around, and I just have so limited amount of tolerance for bickering. Anyway, and for more information than you need, but it's like sport for him. <sighs> but how many of you know we are one nation under God? Under God. I showed you just a few things earlier to prove we were always meant to be one nation under God. You know, when, when one of our political leaders a few years back came out and said, we are not a Christian nation, I was quick to go to God and say, Father, I respect the man, but he does not speak for me. In this matter, he does not speak for me because I know how we were founded People can deny our Christian heritage for whatever personal reasons they have, but it's woven throughout the entire history of our nation. It's woven in our founding documents. It's part of, of who we are as a nation. He is woven throughout the entire history of our nation. It is hard When there's so much bickering around us, not to let it get off on us, but we're going to have to try. I like the fact that the word history, when I see the word history, I see his story. History is his story. He created us. History is his story. I know it's not the proper etymology of the word. I know it's not. So don't write me any letters and tell me how ignorant I am. I already know it. No, just kidding. <laughs> so I pray we are one nation under God, indivisible. That means not dividable. We are one nation under God, and we're not dividable. The enemy is trying so hard to bring division on so many fronts, and, but with something that we have to resist because it's not the will of God. We are one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty. Thank God for liberty. Thank God for liberty. I looked up the word liberty in my Merriam-Webster dictionary app, and it says, the quality or state of being free. The power to do as one pleases. A freedom from physical restraint. 
freedom from arbitrary or despotic control. The positive enjoyment of various social, political, or economic rights and privileges or the power of choice. You can clearly see that these things are rooted in the free will that God first gave us in Adam in the garden. He didn't even want uh, Israel to have a king in the old covenant. He wanted them all to be free and to serve him out of their own hearts. But they wanted to be like every other nation, and they demanded a king, and they demanded a king, and they demanded a king until he yielded. But he said, you're going to regret it. How many of you know he originally meant for us to be free? We are one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Listen, people are free to choose or choose not, but they're going to be responsible for the consequences of their decision, just like every decision we make in life. Listen, our job is, is not to pressure people. Our job is not to force. There are religions that convert at gunpoint, but we are not them. We tell, we love, we show, we pray, and then they choose or they choose not. And then they're responsible for the results and the consequences of that decision, whichever way they choose. Do you understand? We are one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Justice, according to my Merriam-Webster Dictionary app, is the quality of being just, impartial, or fair. The principle or ideal of just dealing, uh, of just dealing or right action, righteousness, right acting. That is what justice is. How many of you know that was the ideal in God's heart when this nation was formed? And I am mindful that some of our ancestors did, maybe didn't even come to this country free. And they didn't come in search of liberty. But I'm here to tell you what the devil meant for bad. God has turned for good. You may, your ancestors may have been brought here against their will uh, for one purpose that was in the minds and hearts of people. And yet God got the last laugh. Now you're free and you're blessed, not only externally but internally. Now you have the power over the forces of darkness. We are one nation united in purpose under God, indivisible or not dividable with liberty or freedom and justice or fair treatment for all. And from that place, we are able to win the lost, not only here in the United States, but around the world. It is very difficult to do that when things are in, in an uproar. How many of you know that's true? 1 Timothy 2.1, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. We need to pray for our leaders and pray for our nation so that we can lead a quiet and peaceable life and be about the work of our Father as we ought to be. 
Listen, today is the 18th anniversary of the attack on our nation known as 9-11. Sadly, I remember it well. We, as sons and daughters of the Most High, need to continue to use our faith and prayers to keep such atrocities as those and all of the senseless violence in our nation against the innocent from continuing. Listen, I don't know what you're saying about it, but complaining about it isn't going to fix it. We need to pray. We need to take our authority. We need to say what is allowed in our nation and what is not allowed. You know, I remember Brother Hagen saying that, uh, yeah, Brother Hagen saying that he, the Lord told him he was going to hold the church accountable for Watergate because they didn't pray. The church at that time didn't pray. They didn't take their authority. Listen, I think we have far more authority than we uh, understand that we do. When we in our nation are in an uproar, it's more difficult to be about the Father's business. We have to fight for our nation in prayer and in the voting box so that we can continue to do the work of the Lord in bringing others to Christ, not only here but around the world. Pastor has been teaching us about covenant. And those men on the Mayflower made that covenant with God and with each other. And one thing I know about God is that he is a covenant-keeping God. I was thinking this afternoon about Brother Copeland telling uh, about a, an Indian minister who stands in the office of a prophet. And, and he was uh, in India praying something about the United States. I think he wanted the Lord to judge us or something. I don't know what was going on. And, you know, there are... Anyway, we've not done everything right for sure. Uh, but anyway, he was praying, and, and the, Lord, the Lord said to him, I remember the covenant those men on the Mayflower made with me. He, how many of you know he didn't even know nothing about it? God said he remembered that covenant. Well, I tell you, when you realize you're in covenant as well, then we not only have their covenant, we have our own covenant that we can invoke and ask God to bless on our behalf in spite of everything that's going on because he is a covenant-keeping God. I should... Be careful. That's what I should do. He's a covenant-keeping God. It gives me such comfort to look back in the Old Testament and see how the children of Israel, they are supposed to serve God. What they do? They went off and served other gods and, you know, did knuckle-headed things and sacrificed their children and did other abominable things. And then when they got carried off into captivity, what'd they do? They cried out to God. And the scriptures, time after time after time, said God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob, and therefore he intervened. 
Listen, those guys on the Mayflower, they had a covenant, but we have a covenant. We have a covenant. And I believe that if we'll stand and exercise that covenant, that God will intervene not because of them but for our sakes. You know, there have been a number of times when, uh, when, when people who, uh, you know, have been even here in this church and faithful to God, their children were off doing squirrely stuff and got into trouble and even, you know, needed desperately life-threatening things going on in their body, desperately needed God to intervene. Uh, God has said, I'm going to intervene, but not for the child, but for the covenant of the parent. Listen, even if things are going off the rail, we still have a covenant. And God remembers his covenant. We hope you're inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to cwol.org. Check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Seawall Madison. We believe God is working within you, and we want you to know him so you too can make him known.